welcome. Welcome back, film fans. This is Beer, Bourbon, and a Movie. I'm Tawana. And I'm Vaughn. And we're two filmmaking cinephiles dedicated to the art of film, the taste of a good beverage, and everything in between. We're glad you're back, people. So grab a seat, film fans, beer drinkers, and bourbon lovers alike. This is episode 31. So this week, folks, we're going to be talking about Black Klansmen and Crazy Rich Asians. So, Tawana, what are we going to drink this time? All right, so uh, since we're down in the uh, the land of... Um, in the summer and where we're going to go, we we're, drink. We're, we're, yeah, we're, the end. We're, we're done with the summer, right? So this starts to fall. Mm-hmm. And so we're in two places. Yeah. We're in Colorado. Oh, yeah. Or we're in Asia. Um, and so I chose to represent Asia. I'm, I'm representing Asia today, <laughs> By way too. of America. I'm representing Asia today, too. Right. By way of America a little bit for mm-hmm. me. Yours is authentic. Mine's a little borrowed. Yeah, but um, much like Crazy Rich Asians, it's like Asian with a splash of American. That's fun, too. <laughs> so what I'm doing is, uh, in those regards, Kirin Ichiban, which is really brewed by Anheuser-Busch, which, you know, Budweiser is shit. Um, but their rebrews, well, because they acquired this beer, um, are pretty good. They're not. They're not bad. Um, I like Kirin Ichiban. I've had it before, but this one I've never had before. It's called uh, Kirin Fresh Press Beer. It's like one hundred percent malt. Okay. Which I, you know I love a good malt, but um, their thing is this is this is Bush's version of a Japanese recipe. So Kirin Ichiban's premium quality. Brings with their unique uh, fresh press brewing process, which extracts only the purest, most flavorful portion of the finest ingredients of their of their malt, and the result is this like distinctively crisp, smooth, full body beer. Uh, pretty pretty much start to finish, good finish in the back, um, and it's tasty. It's not as dry as like other Japanese beers like Sapporo, which is pretty good, but. Um, if you want something a little more refreshing, smoother, easier on the buds, uh, I think you'll like this. Oh yeah. Well, I'm I'm in honor of Crazy Rich Asians, and, mm. and I I love this movie, and I had to step it up, so I, I brought back one of our whiskey favorites, and that was a uh, Nika Coffee Grain Whiskey. People love that from Japan. And I felt like it was perfect for this film because it, it it's on that level because this is a very expensive whiskey, but it's very tasty. It's a very expensive and, uh, film. And, and I decided to bring it to New York since the character in the film was from New York, the lead character, you know, uh, because and have a Manhattan because that just speaks to everything about this movie. Everything about the, it, uh, it does, the prestige. Yes, the, the, it has a richness the, uh, to it and decadence. everything. Yes. And I felt like, absolutely, and I felt like a a Manhattan would be perfect for this film. And, you know, in reality, you know, our detective in in The Black Klansman, he'd be drinking some whiskey, too, so I I wouldn't be shocked with that. He might... He might have tried some Nika. He's kind of like that 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 type of guy, a little yeah. off the wall yeah. in those regards. And a little cool. So I feel like he would have and some whiskey cool. in his. He'd have some whiskey in his life, definitely. So that's why we Absolutely. bring in whiskey with that. So let's start with uh, Black Klansman. All right, Black Klansman, directed by uh, Spike Lee, um, starring Denzel's son. Nah, I shouldn't do that. He tried to do his own thing. Uh, John David Washington, Adam Driver, uh, 
young, uh, who is he? He was in Star Wars flicks. Yeah. Um, bad, bad guy, bad Jedi. He played the son of um, Han Solo and, and Princess Leia. Yeah, but he's a bad Jedi. Yeah. He works for the dark side. And, and uh, the fun one. Yes. <laughs> the fun one. Also starring uh, Topher Grace. Yes. As David Duke. And Alec Baldwin, actually, had a little appearance. Yeah, it was, it was a it was very interesting film. Very I'm interesting glad film. Spike brought this back for All us. All right, so um, let's give you the plot. Ron Stallworth, an African-American police officer from Colorado, successfully manages to infiltrate the local Ku Klux Klan with the help of a white surrogate who eventually becomes the head of the local branch. That is wrong. I read that off of uh, IMDb. He doesn't become the head of the local branch. He becomes a good, de- a really good, powerful detective. Well, actually, they wanted him to be the, the lead of it. He does. He does actually become the head of the branch. But it's the head of the department, maybe. No, I'm talking. But see, you're thinking about the the black police officer in his role of impersonating the white guy who's right. infiltrating the clan. He does become the lead. That's that's the other guy's role. Yeah, so he, he the wording's off a little bit. Yeah. But he does become the lead of the clan. Yeah. Well, and as far big. and as far as we've got, you know, they give us very little. So go ahead, why don't you start it off? Because I I've got I like it. I I don't want to say I have mixed feelings because I don't have mixed feelings. I just have mixed feelings about um, certain specifics. But you started off. What I what I liked about this film because I've been I've been kind of waiting on this. They've been advertising it for a while, and right. Spike has been talking about it, it right. and, and kind of how what he wanted to do. And I think we're in a in a political climate where this film kind of works because we're we're sitting in a world where we're just you know there's there's a political divide in this country. You have the very left wing, very liberal people versus the ultra-conservative people on, on the right. So I think this kind of movie kind of speaks to both of those elements in a way because it was, it was you had a taste of, in the, in the form of the, the black activists, they were the very liberal faction of the film, right? Yeah. And then you had, and then you had the ultra-conservative side that represented the whites in the film and the not all the whites but the whites and the clan representatives in the film and right. so and and it was just it, it in the, the the speak is kind of the same in in the dialogue and in the conversation that people are having yes. it's, it's very similar from what was happening in the in the early 70s during the time when this all took place and in what's happening now mm-hmm. and so i think that it it kind of it's a, it's a good it's a good parallel Right. Of of the two of the two time periods. And I think Spike kinda infuses with that. And even still there was a mention of, of Donald Trump in mention this, in this time and, 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 and it how it agenda. parallels and how it parallels today. And yeah. I think that it's, it's it was interesting that we, we saw it in this way and and you know, a lot of people haven't haven't heard about this story of of what happened with this man trying to infiltrate the clan and, and, and trying to Bring them down in a way because the clan still right. lives today, y'all. It's not going anywhere. The alt right is the new you, baby of you it. You know, it's definitely not going anywhere. But I think that it speaks to, you know, the the power of history and how the history kind of repeats itself. Uh huh. It, it it very much does that. And even the 
the way the the characters were like the young activist characters on the campus and all that you know even I went to college in the late 80s and and we were still fighting the same fight you know mm-hmm. you know we were still fighting the same fight and I I went to college in South Carolina we were trying to get the the rebel flag off of the Capitol building back right, then right, right. and then you know there was all kind of protest and then we I remember marching in Georgia right against some some racial incident that happened there okay. you know where some some black man was killed by a group of, of white men back then and you right. know we were marching and protesting back then so it, it just seems like history just keeps repeating itself in America right and this film kind of kind of spotlighted that in a way I thought that Denzel's son and I'm, I'm not gonna call him Denzel's son I'm not <laughs> John gonna do that David Washington his name is John David Washington yes that's and his name. he's also his mother's son and she's and he speaks in many interviews about how she was the one who groomed him to be the actor that he is today right so I give him all those props because he was really good in this. He's, he's he had also, a couple Denzel mannerisms he's but, also in Ballers Ballers by the way he's good HBO. in Ballers and, and I think yeah. that he's 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 found his own little niche I, and you know, and he his performances are way different from his dad's. So I think that he I'm, had some parts that seemed a little Denzelish. Well, what what else is he gonna do? That is your father. But the, at true. the end of the day, he's he's still his own actor. So I'm gonna give John David Washington his props. Oh yeah, for, no, he gets him all day for owning this role and especially being a, a young new actor on the scene. Of course, he he really carried the role. And, no, he does. And and. And he does it in a in a way that because you kind of feel sorry for him because he kind of straddles the fence on being right on being the well they speak about that the yeah. officer and trying to have a career and, and 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 do right by what he feels is is right and wrong right and supporting his people of as black people well they speak know? about that because they mention souls of black folk what uh, WB the boys mm-hmm. um new school alum mm-hmm. um. <laughs> Um, he well, he at least taught himself, helped create it. But anyway, um, they talk about the double consciousness he speaks mm-hmm. about in the book. So they speak about that quite some time, and that's understandable because he's straddling both sides of the fence. And it's, it it can't be easy, and it definitely wasn't easy back in the seventies for sure. And and you know you you think about what police officers have to deal with it. Black police officers have to deal with today. And your father was one yes, himself. My, so my dad is a detective. I know you detective. understand the experience, but, mm-hmm. you know, um, trying to decide if you're, you're trying to do right by your community and protect your own people and, right. and, and, you know, obey the law. At the same time. And not being the overseer. Try not to be, like, the big friendly guy because you know what really goes down. Right. I mean, so you don't really, like, you chill with them, but you don't hang with them. Right, so yeah. it's a it's a very, we ain't go to we ain't go to no parties. It's a very different experience, but I, I think that yeah. it was it was interesting to see that whole dynamic and how the Jewish man, you know, had to deal with Adam Driver. Adam Driver's character, character had to deal uh, flip. with right had to deal with life on the force where, you know, his people were constantly being disrespected. Also, but the thing about Flip is Flip. Uh, I don't want to say everyone, but there are some people who are. Um, uh, Caucasian, but you know, an other in a sense, right? Like Jewish or mm-hmm. yep. you know, Albanian, Serbian, someone that's got a little ethnicity going on, right? So um, he was saying how he always ignored his culture, right, and never really gave it a second thought until he became until he came face to face with this entity, this hate group, mm-hmm. this hate group, 
and felt that hate onto himself. And 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 in a way where he just didn't even he never even practiced his his religion. Right. And yet he still felt it when they were like throwing the insults and the epithets and Well, anytime you have people just hating you just for being and you oh, yeah. have nothing to do with it, you're just literally they just hate me because I exist. So yeah. in that space, it has to affect you. Well, it aligned him to his side. Before he was just you. like, oh, I don't know how this is going to work. But, you know, he it kind of aligned him in a way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for me, I just thought, I like Black, Black Klansmen. Um, but a little before, I heard some things. And then after I did my own research, but before I didn't do it before because I wanted to absorb the film as it was for myself. Right. So uh, my my general opinion is um, Black Klansman is a well crafted dramatization. Oh, definitely. Of what Spike says is true events. Um, Black attempts to capture uh, the racial tension with the same clarity that he did and um, do the right thing. But Roger Ebert at the time said that, you know, he what he wrote was that he came the closest to reflecting what the current state of race relations were in America at that time. Yes. And that no other movie had done it. But I, you know, this time I think he attempts to do the same thing with the story from the past, but I don't think he hits the mark. I okay. think that... I think that Spike tries to lure us in with, with, with political talk, with echoes of the day, which keeps us sort of current at the same time, um, keeps us invested in the film. He had an obvious agenda mm-hmm. to have an anti-Trump film. This was very anti-Trump, and there were all these um, sort of subs, as we say. He sort of alluded to what, like what he meant and what what was happening there is reflecting of the times now. And we totally get it. I mean, even the last 10 minutes of the film or so got real when the audience got quiet. Um, yeah, because he brought us completely forward from, oh, from completely the 70s forward. to and right now. It was, everyone was sort of appalled. And, uh, you know, when they showed what really exists today, you know, in terms of like... Well, you know, they even targeted... They, they planned to release the film on the anniversary of, of Charlottesville. Charlottesville. So and everything about it was... He invited her mother, mm-hmm. the young lady that died during the hit and run right. section of exactly. that weekend. Uh, he invited her mother there. He 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 uh, gives her a little memoriam at the end. And so... He really had some things he wanted to say. In terms of what I was saying about I'm feeling a little here and there, I'm going to be jumbled today because I've been sort of like trying to put this in my own phrase, my own words, and like deal with it on my own. Right. Find and your space with find it. Find my space with it. Mm, yet I have, I don't think I've truly found it. You know, in terms of what people have been saying, I've read some articles about Spike maybe pandering to the white gaze to the to the white audience to to bring them into the fold because he knows we automatically jump in the jump in the boat so to speak it's bad, well, I don't, bad example but okay. i think he thinks we we will automatically garner his side but this is this is what i've read mm-hmm. that um spike is pandering to to the white gaze so um 
Oh, um, I don't mean to say like it's. He's but why is it pandering to, though? I'm not. Well, uh, pandering. The, the pandering part. Pandering in the sense that he's asking them, like he's specifically um, targeting them in the way he shot it, in the way he tells the story. Mm-hmm. He's telling it in a way that it's like, oh my god, to like the white. I would say the white liberals, because you're not changing, you're not changing Trump's opinion and Trump's followers, okay. the deplorables and all that. You're not changing their opinion at all. And in fact, if anything else, I'm sure they're they're they're, they're stumping from the for the KKK side. I'm a, sure they a, are. a lot of them. I wouldn't say all of them, but a lot of them are probably. And he made it very, very visible. I think. Um, there was a bit of a white gaze in it. I'm not going to say it wasn't necessary. Well, it need, was very necessary. You need necessary. to explain to, to the audience what okay. the gaze means. All right. Um, be, the white gaze means that. it traps black people in white imaginations. It's the eyes of what, a, what for example, uh, a school teacher would see um, in a black student and lower her expectations. It's what a white cop would see in a black person and look twice or worse feels for his gun. It's that that image that they immediately see mm-hmm. instead of it being an actuality. The stigma. The stigma, right. Right? So it's like, you know. Well, hmm. I mean, listen, it's not the whole film, and I think there are instances in it. It can't be the whole film because, as, as I realized, you know, the white gaze is not a noun. It's a specific um, iteration, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, for instance... The way the chief was talking about Kwame Touré, right? He's also mm-hmm. Stokely Carmichael, for those of you who don't know. But he is in the film and makes a speech at one of the student council's uh, meetings. And he sends Ron, which is the main character, to the rally to, in a sense, gather info and to see how riled up the blacks get. Mm-hmm in that town by, by Kwame and to, to sort of take their temperature and see where they're going to go with it. And for him to even do that is part of the white gaze. You immediately thought they were going to be some sort of guerrilla team. Right. No, um, I get it. I um, get that. Um, like bang out, like kill and murder and want to be a hate group when in a sense they're not being a hate group. It's, you know, it's a black liberation movement. It's right. not... It's not the KKK. And at some point in the film, they were, like, when they juxtaposed the KKK meeting where they were inducting new members mm-hmm. versus, like, the Harry Belafonte's visit to the council meetings. Right. And he was giving a uh, personal account of what he saw as a child happening to someone when they were lynched and mutilated and and, and uh, killed in the middle of the street, like, in the middle of the town square or whatever. Um, and his fear, and people were black power, and they were white power. And I could see, whereas if you're not open to this, you could, it's, you could think that they're of the same level, but they're really not. Right, but see, but what, see, I didn't, I saw it in a completely different way. I saw it as the polar opposite of what they were trying to, like, you had one system over here mm-hmm. which was the Klansmen and their in, indoctrination into that yes and then you had Harry Bont- Belafonte explaining what yes. he saw 
right. as a child in this experience right. and how that all played out. Right. But it's the exact opposite. So if, if you're when, trying to do this... In that scene, yes, is the exact opposite. In this, in this, in this period. Yes. But if you think about the film in if total... You, but if you also think about what Kwame Torre was saying, that part could be skewed. Well, and I make, mean, and and I don't think that I, I just think there were certain there were certain areas where it but looked like. But if it, you think about Stokely Carmichael, yes, in in his in in his first of all, you got to take it back to the time we yes. were. This was during the the civil rights movement. Yes. So if you if you're thinking about how and in what black people in this country had to endure, absolutely from every side from from the police. From right. the community, just trying to just trying to live in America, you had, right. there was so much racism and bigotry and, and and discrimination that it was just hard to exist. Absolutely, in general. So I think the Stokely Carmichael character was expressing that, and and what those people were dealing with during that time, because right. this was the early seventies. So you had yeah. you had the war going on in Vietnam. You had the civil rights movement coming out of that and, and trying to find your space and still dealing with inequalities in, in life, right. in your neighborhood, in your communities, and all those things. So I think that all that is still the truth yes. in, the, in the moment. And I think that we had to, Spike was trying to show us that all of this was going along. But I right. know that for a fact that your your cops... Or your police officer and, and the police office system, the FBI and all these other governmental entities were at play because they were concerned about what was happening in the black community. They, they had were. spies that were watching Martin Luther King and all yeah, these other Malcolm X. civil rights leaders, Malcolm X, of course, all these Kwame other civil Ture, rights leaders and, and the Black Panther Meg movement. Evers. All these things were going yeah. on at the same time. And they were they didn't know what was happening within the community. No, they didn't. Because you didn't you you had one, you had very few cops that were, were African American at, during that time. There were right. very few. Which is what happened here. They were they were like trying to bring in a little diversity and right. they hired him. Right. So they but they needed they needed somebody, one that was a part of them that they could say, Well we need you to be a, go into this community because you're part of it and and let us know what's going because they had no they had no sight into what was happening right. in, in, with us as a which, people. Which leads to the double consciousness, you know, right. because he he is a cop, and he wanted to be. He always wanted to be a cop, and then right. he is led into this world where he wants to support his people, and he is a proud African American. Right. But he also feels like, and, right. What do and I there do? So many I'm, I'm stuck in the middle. At, at this point in time, during the telling of this this story, yeah. there were so many things that were still being desegregated. Because the, remember. Yeah. America was segregated. You had blacks doing one thing on this side, whites right. doing one thing on this side. And, right. and and so we were still coming out of that because I think about my the college that I went to right. for my undergraduate, the first black student didn't walk on that campus as a student until 1965. Right. Okay, this movie takes place in the early 70s. So right. you're talking anywhere between 1970 and 1975. So if that's the case, the world was in such a place where they really had, we were so divided as a people. Right. You know what I mean? So anytime that there was the situation of, of interaction, right. people were always trying to understand the other because everybody was the well, other. Well, I get what you're saying. You I know mean, what I mean? And I think, I think, think that reflects there. I think it's, well, this is why I said I was, I was all over the place. But I think um, in a sense sometimes, not sometimes, in this one maybe he used the white gaze to show 
how the other actually is mm-hmm. and then use the white gaze to show what what um prejudice looks like mm-hmm. um in a sense but i do i do think uh maybe because it was the dramatization i think spike wasn't as um uncompromising as he's been in the past with do the right thing but this is a dramatization mm-hmm. versus that was a fictional piece you know, um, right. but I just think that he left uh, wiggle room for wavering views. Right, and because it wasn't a documentary, because per it se, was a documentary, you you had right. the room to right. to to to, to move and, right. and navigate and kind of manipulate the story in a way. But to be honest, Spike's true target is Trump, and it's blatant oh, support of neo Nazis and all. Right, I mean he he and and how he. Um, like David Duke are desperately trying to uh, keep the flawed views of this great white America alive. So it's like he was really trying to compare him and David Duke together. Absolutely. And, and you know, from what I've, what I've seen in some articles I read about the film, right. and David Duke is very concerned about how this film makes him look, and he's very worried about it. And he, he didn't want to look, him look like, like a fool. Makes him look like a fool. And, and that was the one thing he did not want to look uh, like. He looks like one. But, and you know, the, <laughs> the saddest part to me, because, you know, in just watching how it reflects on on white people in the film, and it's like, well, and I understand you think, because see, the problem with, with, the problem with America yes. is that forever and ever, the white Culture in America has been the dominant culture. Has been the dominant culture. And now culture. all of a sudden, the world has changed for them. And, and, and so they have to adapt to the change. And it, what, it, what it shows us now and how this president that we currently have, Make America Great Again, speaks to all of this and all that yes. rhetoric that, that, that David Duke and his people were always trying to tout and highlights know, that you know yeah. it just speaks to well you're never going to be this again and then the, and just the use of how they use birth of a nation which is a right. film that anybody that ever went to film school never talked about a film we've always had to have birth they of a show nation it. shoved up our ass and i remember walking out of uh, class. yeah i didn't watch it either i remember i've seen the I've movie i've seen the movie and then wa- and, and then, and then, then i out in, in, in subsequent classes where they wanted us to talk about birth of a nation i was like I'm not. I'm never I'm not watching talking this about again. this, and I'm never watching it again. I'm never watching it again. This is the first time I've I've watched it again, like pieces of it, right? Because and I've it, only seen it once. It's so. I mean, it's it's literally racist propaganda, and they cheer it on that they put on film. And this was the juxtaposition right. scene, right? And I think that, but I think that a lot of people don't don't understand how 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 people are manipulated because mm-hmm. I felt like. Throughout this whole film, it was really the white people that were manipulated the most. Think oh, about really? think about the wife, right? Oh yeah. Think about her. She and I feel like she was used the entire time in the but film. She was used, but she also wanted to be used. She wanted to be important, as did her husband. Right, but but see, remember, she was dumb as a post, and and she was being guided by this man who was also and, dumb. Right, and he was being guided by someone else. Yes, and so it was just like, well, it just keeps on going and going and going, and what in moving this forward, we see a whole lot of. Trump's followers who don't even listen to facts. No. Okay, and that's black and white because I know actual black followers of Trump who don't believe in the facts. They they so busy thinking like uh, like so condemning. I'm not naming names. I'm just saying. <laughs> Hand pecking. There are people who actually believe <laughs> that 
what this man says in the White House is actually truth, right. and and not what the media says who, and journalists who are out there reporting the right. actual facts of the of the country. Mm-hmm. But they don't care about that. They just want to listen to it. They want to hear a certain thing about right. a certain group of people. And right now, the enemy is immigrants. Yeah. And anybody anybody else coming anybody into this country. Anybody other. Right. Anybody and immigrants. Else. And it, in nineteen in nineteen sixty, it would have been black people. It would just been black people, but it's black people, right? And immigrants, right? But see, throw in some gays at the right. end, right? Just throw everybody else in, but <laughs> that's sprinkle the gays, but sprinkle that's, the gays but, across but that's the my top. point. And now it's it's all these other things, but right, right, right. It, it's it it it's so scary to see it. it it's in, very in that scary. Way. And you know what? You're like okay, and, it, and stuff that starts out so simple to where all of a sudden, you know, not to tell the story. She's trying to plant a bomb. You know what I mean? She, yeah, it's she's like, just like she goes from watching Birth of a Nation and all the little pickaninnies to quote her. Cheering. Right. That's but that's my point. So it's just like we need it, it's a good eye opener and, and that's what that's one thing that Spike it, is very good at. It's a good eye opener to say don't forget the past. Right. Because it is repeating itself in the present. We are, we are definitely forgetting and the past. And it always does. Yeah, we're and this is true. But, and you know it's gonna keep it's going to keep reiterating itself. It is going to keep reiterating itself, but America is new and in comparison to the rest of the country, to the rest of the world rather. Mm-hmm. And until America does some soul searching and But I don't know if America actually has a soul. I think that I mean we, in terms of soul searching in terms of like I think that acknowledging what their past was. So if if America doesn't and this is what they're saying in the film too. Until you acknowledge what your past was, birth of the nation, right? You're never gonna get past any of this. Right. Every other country has said, you know, we did you wrong, Aborigines in Australia. We did you wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Now they move a little forward. Not saying they're perfect. Look at South Africa. They're taking right. back land now. Yeah, and China is also helping them fund. Yeah, China. Their economy. Yeah, like yeah. So it's uh, there. There are different things where people are saying, like, listen. We have a lot to be sorry for. Uh, Germany Absolutely. and the Holocaust. I mean, we have a lot to be sorry for. Let's say sorry. Um, reparations or however we're going to f- solve this problem and move forward. And that's not the Dave Chappelle joke, reparations throwing cash off the back of a truck. Right. It's in the way of helping people it's move real. forward in terms of schooling, in terms of funding, in terms of creating better communities. Right. And that's how things get paid and moved forward. Not taking land, keep taking care of people on Native American, uh, you know, reservations, reservations and such, and mm-hmm. such. making yeah. sure people are not marginalized. Well, you know, it, it, oh, and, and sidebar, shout out to Chris who's sitting in for Alex yes, who's still Chris. on summer vacation. Thank welcome, you, welcome. Chris. No Glad you're back. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's it's a uh, it's an interesting thing because we we live in a country who you know put the Japanese in internment camps back yes. in the day. You know, we're not so far removed from so all these removed. evil things. We're damn near close to we did we we damn near close to doing it right now. Look at what we did to all the kids, all the right. people coming over from, from South, Mexico yeah, and South America. We stole their South, children. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And so, we haven't even heard half of what's happening there. Oh, I know because I know a lot of shit happened to those children. Story. It's, it's a horror, horror story. story that we don't even know, and we'll find out later. Decades That's another apology. Yeah. Stop doing these things, right. and we won't have to keep apologizing. Mm-hmm. Move forward. If this is the land of the free and the home of the brave, and you're accepting all these people in, mm-hmm. you have to be acknowledge. You have to acknowledge the fact that you have such diversity. Mm-hmm. You can't just use these people as free labor. You know what I mean? And then say, Absolutely. guess what? You guys are all rapists. I'm gonna have to kick you out. 
No, we're also rapists. Right, we are rapists. We are rapists, we stealing are rapists, people's we land, are killers. telling telling people that they're they're not who they are, stealing cultures. Right, you know, and then and then perpetuating it, and right. and appropriate misappropriating it. Yeah. Taxation is stuff. Yeah, like come on, you know. So I mean, the the country won't move forward until. We move forward, but but there were some. Let me just let me talk about a few moments that I thought were just magical. Mm-hmm. Okay, so remember the I think ra- we agree in the same the moments. rally, yes. the rally, the Kwame Ture rally, the Kwame rally yes. was amazing to me, amazingly and, shot. And how the how they spotlighted people in the audience and yes. it it just looked it, it was it they, was just they were royalty. In, it was, they were they angelic. Were, they were just beautiful. It was just. Beautiful blackness. I, I almost felt like I was watching a, a, a commercial from the 70s when it was our black hair products. Because yes. that's how they really showed us during those times. Yes. Because it was all about our afros or our curly wave and whatever we had going yeah. during the time. Right. And it, it was just beautiful. Right. And, and, and unfortunately, we don't get to see enough of our own imagery on screen that... You know, I could say, oh, you know, that's nice. But I see that all the time. No, we do not. We don't see that all the time. So it was just beautiful to see those beautiful black people being represented right. in a beautiful way. Well, they were shot by Chase Irwin, who was the DP. And right. he's got a hell of a history, right? Tell because he was a cinematographer for Lemonade. Oh, there you go. And Sampra. If you guys are oh, fans nice. of Sampra, he did nice. Sampra's stuff for Process. And so, and he's done a, a, a bunch of other things. And he works. Uh, he's done the Hurric- the Heineken Trailblazers, which which had a whole. Thing oh yeah, they it. had a whole series. Yeah, they had a whole series. And he he works in collaboration with uh with the director Khalil Joseph, who's also African American. And so okay. they are. Um, and, and the, the when, Heineken series did a whole lot of Latino. Yeah. And Latina artists. Right. So that's very. So they were. I love that. They were already open to. The possibility of how they wanted to shoot African Americans mm-hmm. and the imagery of what they wanted to put forward with that. So, I mean, shouts out to Spike and yeah. um, and Mr. Irwin for for understanding that those things were necessary. I mean, the two shots, the three shots, and then they eventually boil down to one shot. They were angelic in the sense of like when you look at um, church iconography. Right. Where you would see how a saint is encapsulated Always in this sort of halo, mm-hmm. but the halo looks like it's almost connected to his head. Right. That's how the afros looked. It was like this light shooting from behind, uh, highlighting these special, and the faces were so angelic and innocent, right. and cherub-like almost in some sense. Not like childlike, but that cherub innocence. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and they were beautifully done. There were a few other things I thought that were really done well in terms of. Craftsmanship, uh, the music, the sound effects, the overlapping, which warned of the upcoming scene to come. Right. Those were all beautifully done. You know. Yeah, it was lead- a good editing trick. Right, good editing trick, leading you into the next scene. Um, uh, just a just a overwhelmingly strong music worked really well, and I, I liked how they shot like the juxtaposition between the student council meeting and the KKK. Yeah. That was all done well. And you know, of course, thing, spikes. You know, Dolly. Per, oh yeah, and and they you know, saved patented it. Dolly shot. He literally saved it. Saved for the it end. for the end. And I thought that was very. 
I loved how it just happened because yeah. I've been I was waiting for it. I literally sat waiting for it. That's a shot. And my friend and my I went with one of my best friends from college, and, and he was like, "What are you What are you doing?" I was literally sitting on the edge of my seat. I was like, "It's coming." Yeah, and, I, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "That dolly shot is that coming." Dolly shot. I just don't know where it's gonna they be. They sit but it's on coming. the dolly and they right. push them forward. And into the it was frame. so great, and, yeah. and it was, and then you know what I what I really liked? I liked the the moment when. Um, the lead was walking through the forest. He was walking through the like that waterfall scene yeah. with the young lady, the yeah. activist, and they were just kind of walking through and they were talking and the yeah. water was happening in the and back. It was, that, and, it was like a bridge. Yeah, or it was some bridge they were walking on. And I just thought that was just a beautiful moment because they had a one, they had it's a, a real Colorado moment. Too. Yeah, they had a real conversation well, talking that, about him. You know, because yeah. I think that was the first time she figured out that he was the, a cop, and and he was trying to say, well, you know, I'm still about my people. Well, that's when she mentioned Dubois and, uh, right. and the double consciousness. Right, and it was just there was that moment when they had a real conversation, right. but there was so much beauty that was happening in the background, right. and it was shot in a way that you you were able to sink into what was going on behind them, right. but you were still able to focus on the conversation. Right, right, right. You know right. what I mean? So it wasn't so. It wasn't so, you know, tight, close up, and all that. And right. those mid, you know, those medium shots that right. you gave, they gave you the the perspective of where you were. Right. And so I, I thought it was, I thought it was cool in that way because you know, a lot of movies, and you know, a lot of movies that feature black people right. are not shot in Colorado. No. Okay, let's be real. Who, most of those who thinks of that. Most of those kind of movies. Most movies that feature black people either shot in the South or shot in some urban Some urban setting. You know, so you're either in L.A. or New York or down South. So I thought that it was cool that we got to see black people in different places. Right, right, right. You know, it's like, okay. And, you know, and I think, unfortunately, so many times black people get trapped in, and I'm going to bring this up again when we go to, to... Crazy, to, uh, rich, crazy Asian. rich Asians. Right. Black people get trapped in certain kind of tropes. Of, you know, people and, of color. Period. You know, get trapped and, and, in these tropes. And I think that you know we've been it's been forced down our throat with Tyler Perry and other filmmakers like that, and right. even Spike Lee to a certain extent, where you only see black people because you know we didn't exist. Bef- you know there was slavery, right. and then there was the civil rights movement. Right. So we didn't really exist anywhere in between and anywhere after until Cosby where right. we were, you know, successful. Well, we were shown as every day. Right, we were successful. So now in, in in films like this, we're finally seeing us in different kind of places. Right. You know what I mean? And I and, and, I, and as I sat and I, and I thought about that, I was like, wow, you know, we're out, you know, we're out in the West. Right. And you remember and and there was a movie called Posse back in the day. Yeah, with um. It was a western. It was it, a black western. It, it was it was Mario Van Mario Melvin. Van, no, it was Melvin. It was Melvin. Um, no, it was Mario it was Van, Mario. Van People's film. Yes, Melvin was in it. Yes, and yeah. so the whole thing was, you know, where it was black cowboys, and I thought it was cool too because we don't talk about black cowboys enough. And there are black that's, cowboys. That, that's real. Yeah. You know. You know, that's real. It's real. Bill Pickett in the rodeo, that's real, because that was a black rodeo. Yep. Okay, An folks. Absolute so black rodeo. Do, do your research. But what I'm saying is, is that we get trapped in so many places as, as people and well, we get pigeonholed in the storytelling. Yes. So I think that it's good to see us in different kind of environments. One, you had this sister who was leading a movement on a college campus right. in in Colorado. Right. Okay. She she was not 
bowing down. She had her own liberation. She was her own woman. She was her own in this woman. film, and I yes. and I love how they how they played that. She wasn't asking him to for no, help. She wasn't. She wasn't asking for his guidance. She was running that movement. That was, one, was. another thing you did not see, yeah. and I thought that how they played that off. Right was done very well and she was the target for a lot of the hate from the hate group you know what i mean and i thought i was like oh wow you you don't really get to see that and and normally normally in 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 films made by white directors it would have it totally been a man man. totally been a man but this in this time it was a black woman who was the target of of all this hate and venom well yeah i think that's why some people were Saying, like, was he shooting this for us or was he shooting this for whites to make them feel more comfortable and make them understand better? And and I have to watch this again. But overall, I think it was necessary for what he was trying to convey. Um, I don't think it was an abuse of it. Mm-hmm. I just think he needed it in terms to convey what he was trying to say in, in the juxtaposition of the two stories. Mm-hmm. I essentially just, I, I like this film overall. Um and and while Ron's story is merely a footnote that eventually leads to a powerful ending and the film's true purpose, right. which is really anti-Trump. All I need people to do is to go vote. Just go go vote. Please vote. And go see this film. Please so vote. So you can have your own opinion film. Have your own of opinion. what is happening here. And, and, um, and just understand it. History does repeat itself. History has repeated itself. Over and over and, and over, over again. And it will so, continue until the lesson is no. learned. And even when you think, you know, even when you think you're living in a, in a post-racial era. You're like not. Like you thought when Obama was president. No, you're not. You're not. So You just, never were. Just even, know. Even when Obama was there, they were calling him all types of names. And this is oh, the yeah. highest office in our nation. And you're right. defiling this person. But when Trump says it, it's the evil media. Right. Go figure. Think about it. Think about it. Segway. <laughs> Crazy Rich Asians. So let's go to Crazy Rich Asians. And I'm going to just tell you right now, I left Crazy Rich Asians feeling so happy. All right. So let's I say. Felt, I felt very excited about it. Uh, I, was, I was very and Tawana's going to give you a little synopsis of the film. But I felt very, I felt very happy for for Asians in America because I know how it is to be in this country and 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 be marginalized and feel less than. Right. And I felt like this was one time where, and they actually made fun of America. And I and I and I was glad that they did that in the way that they did because it's the same way. And I don't mean to. This is kitchen table talk that's going on to the podcast, but black people make fun of America too, All folks. Time. And I'm sure that you know everybody does, but every Absolutely. other every other ethnic group does. But guess what? I'm glad that they had their moment, and it was just a beautiful time to see because folks in my audience were actually dressed up and and feeling their 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 best, and they were living their best lives in that. And you had. <laughs> All these different age living groups. Living their best Asian lives. Exactly. They were living their best Asian lives. And in the audience that I saw it in, it was Asians and black people. I saw it on 34th Street in, in New York City. And it was the whole audience. Asians and black people. Yeah. And it was, and everybody enjoyed it. Everybody got the laugh. Everybody got the thing. 
you know, they everybody was in there. You know, it, it was it, it hit all the cues because it's a story that we can all relate to, right? As as other. Well, it was just a contemporary romantic comedy. Yes. Uh, directed by uh, uh, an American Asian. Yes. Um, John M. Chu. Actually, an amazing an Asian American. Uh, what did I say? Asian American? American you said American Asian, yes. but it's Asian American. Asian American, my apologies. Um, also starring Constant Wu from... Love Her. From Fresh Off the Boat. Yes, Love um, Her. Henry Golding, which is a rel- relative new find. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle Yeoh, which we all know. Love Her. Um, and then we had like some of the hot points was like Aquafina, the comic. Um, Ken Yong. Yong. Yeah. Right, uh, he's a comic as well, comic uh, actor, and then a number of other people. Nico Santos. I'm trying to think of people that people would recognize, because there were so many people in this film, um, and so basically, um, Crazy Rich Asians is the first major Hollywood film in 25 years that was all Asian, uh, with an all Asian principal cast. Since 1993's Joy Luck Club. Which I also loved, by the way. Crazy Rich Asians is I'm everything. I'm drink, excuse me. No worries. Is everything every airy rom-com is yeah. made of, except for one thing. It feels fairly authentically Asian with a splash of America tossed in. You know, full of montages, funny sidekicks. It's also funny, touching, and, and a visible feast. Shot in um, Singapore, which is... One I'm of, going to Singapore. One of, you know, bring your bank account. I'm going to Singapore. It's expensive. It's one of the most expensive places to visit, actually. That spoke to me in every way. Yeah. I'm going. Bring a bank account. But, I'm bringing your bank account. We're going. Oh, well, then you'll be, living, you'll be, you'll be in Thailand. I'll be. <laughs> you bring in my bank account. You'll be in, you'll be in Thailand. Um, so Nick, who is the lead, uh, played by... Uh, uh, Henry Golding is is all grown up in dating uh, Rachel Chu, a Chinese American New York uh, economics professor who has no idea that her boyfriend is heir to a dynasty. Until a trip to Singapore for a wedding is when she discovers the family's true status. I mean, I thought it was really good. What what I did like about it is it portrayed Asian and Asian American characters as complex, flawed beings. With um, with their own unique stories to tell, um, they are worthy of screen time, and for the most part, not relegated to like stupid stereotype. Hollywood has genuinely imposed on us over years on Asian characters, right? So they weren't cooks, they weren't helpers, they weren't drivers, magical martial arts experts. They are just believable human beings with lives to live. Yeah. Well, you know what? What I found very interesting about this movie because it. There were so many dynamics at play. You had you had culture, you had religion, and you had this thing about money, power, and success that are that are all about what America is. It's right? universal, also. Right. Those are all universal stories, right. and I think that in in how family plays into things, right. and for for so many for so many things, because me as a black person living in America, right. I have always felt like. Family sometimes can be a trap. Blackness can be a trap. It's a trap. 
America can be a trap because there are so many things. There's so many opportunities and ways of exploring the world that you didn't get to get. And this movie kind of tapped into every single element of that. And it was just like, because I can understand how Nick... Was one did not want to share who his what his past was about with her because he wanted to be loved and appreciated by her well, just for he who was he essentially was. a royal in right. his country right and he just wanted to be associated he wanted right. to be loved and, and cared for by her right. just for being who he was not based on his family's wealth or his success right. as a person he just wanted he just wanted understanding and and he wanted to try to find his place. In, in his own life, but yet he still had to take ownership of what his family expected of him. Like his father wanted him to run the business, his mom wanted him to run the business and right. all this stuff. She wanted him to be back at home, and they kept making references to, oh, when you let when the when the child goes away, right, and how they change once they've gone away from the family, and yeah, and that, that's that's real, and, and you know, and. Me, for example, I, I've gone, I left my the my main family element in the South and moved to the North. And things change. You know, you, you live a, a, a totally different life. And so I can totally get where he he's experiencing the world in a different place. Right. Being from, you know, growing up in, in Singapore and then living in New York and experiencing his life in New York with his 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 friends there, his girlfriend there, and his whole life there, and trying to navigate, trying to be a little bit of both. Because it's hard to be a little bit of both. Right. You know it what I mean? True. And I think this film captures that. And the, and the thing about her and how she was... She was this this strong woman, you know, raised because by a single parent. A strong, another strong woman. You know, she was a strong woman raised by a single parent, and her mother was phenomenal. Her mother and was phenomenal, was and she was so a Singaporean many, actress. Right. There were so many beautiful moments in that that this film tapped into that, you know, you wouldn't expect from a romantic comedy. Because they, they literally, they filled us in with all of that. I felt like it was true rom-com. I guess it's not a secret. I love rom-coms. Well, you and know, if you knew me as a person, you would be surprised. It, but. <laughs> and I and I think that's cool. I like I said, I really enjoyed it because they didn't just they just didn't surround us with the romance of it. Well, they yeah. gave us well, they, they gave, gave us, us the individuality of it. They gave us culture. They gave us their lives. They gave us what what it is to be a Chinese American dating an actual person from a from a specific like he was from Singapore, right. Whether he was wealthy or not, people probably would have said the same thing. Yeah, that would have been the same. She's a Chinese dynamic. American. You she have, was just deemed American, basically. You you right? have a different term. You have a different life. You have a different way of living. You have a different set of values from what we have. Right. You know, you guys don't value family. You guys don't value seniors. You guys don't value um, right. life. Right. You value. And you know what I thought? What I loved the most was the, the talk about the passion and how. You know, you you are all about living your passion, and in America, we're all about living about passion. But they're success, all about leaving, living wealth. for their families, right? And you know, at least thought, that's what it said. In the I film. thought it was, I thought it was interesting to see that because that's our day to day. You know, we're every day work, and, and everybody's trying to find their passion. The, but we are also the hardest working country in the in the nation. I mean, not in almost in the world. Well, I don't mean hardest working like. Hardest working in the, in the West. In the West, yeah. and I don't mean it in terms of like we work harder than anybody else. I mean we're the ones with the least vacations. Yeah, we we're, work uh, 
like 50 hours on average. Right. We, we we're the ones with the least vacations. We're the ones with the most illnesses. We're the ones with the most mental issues because our our culture is set up to to drive us to work continually right instead of like enjoying life and right. they were trying to intimate that we go by passion and they go by life and right. family and then the sacrifice that the women were making but it's, to support their family but and their it's, men sacrifice is universal amongst yeah. women yeah. Women always make the sacrifice. Look mm-hmm. at Mudbound. Yeah. Look at the sacrifice. Absolutely. Um, what's her name? Mary J. Blige was making. Right. You know, and uh, even and even the other actress, the white actress, in that right? Movie, Look she, at what she, she was, was making. She was making it the was sacrifice. A sacrifice. It's 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 a universal woman's right uh, issue. And I think that that's what as the and I'm not going to tell you what happens in the film, but I think that it, it's interesting that both. The matriarch in on his side of the family, the, right. the mother, she saw, she saw herself in that. She saw girl. herself, and she didn't want that because right. that was her, right. and she thought that was right. But instead of her, see, w- the mistake was that the grandmother of their family, right, the true matriarch, wanted better for her son than the average woman, right. and so she believed that she wanted better for her son, but she realized it was really not about. Um, material, you know, the material nation of it all. Mm-hmm. It was all about what he truly felt, and that's why he didn't come home. Right. You know, he wanted to live his life the way he wanted to live it. And if you want to meet him, you want him back. You meet him at his in his place. Yeah. You meet him at his place. It was just they were just. I just. I just wanted to say also. Go ahead. This was fantastic, and yeah, like sort of like yeah, great. But this was like the card. Dashian's version and I love of royal version of, of like I loved every second of that of like I guess whatever Asian life they're trying to portray I loved every second and the of fact that. that it took place in one of the most expensive places in the world yeah. Singapore made sense but it was kind of like I've read some articles where people were like you know not all Asians are rich and I get that and that's fine but and I this get is that. fantasy I get all that but you know what people say the same thing about fucking Wakanda but guess yeah. what it's, Everybody's not gonna be rich, but it's fantasy, and, and and it is fantasy, and that was the beauty of it. Yeah, and they lived that. It's it was Dynasty Asian style. It was Dynasty, Asian and I I loved every second of it because in this country, in this country where this movie is blowing out full steam ahead. Well, it had a target audience. It had a target market. In you know? this country. You know, that's what we deem as important. The rich, the successful. And guess what? It does not have to be just white folks, okay, being rich and successful. Well, that that was where this turned a point is that it could be anybody. This movie was made so that it could be anybody. Yep. Love Jones, which is a very famous black romantic Romantic comedy comedy Mm -hmm. in a sense, could have very well been whites as well. Mm -hmm. So it's just like... You know, Bodyguard could have very well been a white film, right. a white casted film. So it's just well, like it was really. It, it was except for Whitney. No, because there were a lot of blacks in it. I mean, it wasn't solely sister. black, but the, the principal blacks were in the film. No, it was her sister. It was her son. It was all her friends. She had. I mean, it was enough. I get it. Blacks in it. She led the role, but. Um, yeah, you know, they they were just showing 
real life people. Jason's lyrics, another one. Real life people living real mm-hmm. lives, and you enjoying that as it is, not or poetic justice, not not um, you know minister society, right? You know the drab of but if what you, if existence. You, and if you think about if you think about if if, if we're gonna move to talk about romantic comedies, so think about other romantic comedies that dealt with black people, for example. So you had you had Poetic Justice. Poetic but that that really wasn't romantic. It wasn't comedy. comedy. It was a little but it, I'm talking about I'm talking about more like Best Man and Best Man is and, a good example. And um Brown Sugar and Brown all those Sugar kinds of example. films. Love who, Jones who is all a good fell example. under that right behind that Love Jones kind right, of right, right, right. psyche. So you had very successful people. Right. It was, it was about being successful. There were single successful blacks right. living so their everyday it, lives. It speaks to that. Where whereas mm-hmm. then you had when you had your when you had your um ministers not minister society. Minister society. Poetic justice and, and all those kind of films that kinda of broke that told a different angle. Well, you could add Jason's story. lyric to that. And as Jason's well. lyric. So you had that. That was a different turn, yeah. but it was a different. It was also a different community of people. It so a different community. Crazy rich Asians could have also been Asians from Chinatown, who everybody wasn't rich, yeah. who everybody working in a place, For sure. who you still could have had love. But in no those matter places. what, people were going to complain because you can't. You can't, you can't satisfy everybody. Satisfy everybody, and yes, I think. Some people who are complaining are missing the point. It wasn't the point that they didn't specifically target every single people and represent every single person that ever existed. You can't. You can't. But what they did represent was that it, the actuality is this works for every single culture. Yep, it does. And that representation matters no matter, matter what. what. Absolutely. Okay. And we all need to be, and you know what? Because I remember when the Cosby Show first hit the hit the hit the screens and everybody's watching it, you know, for for many many years, people were under this impression that there was only poor people living in the ghetto trying to get out of the projects like Good Times. Right. Right. But guess what? There were actually black people who were very successful living their own lives and doing their own things yeah. and raising their kids and going to college. Like I tell people all the time, uh. my sheer cropping grandparents sent all of their kids to college. And then all of their descendants went to college too. Exactly. So guess what? It can happen. It can happen. You know what I mean? So it's not like we all grew up in the same place. And you know, and we grew up in the, my family grew up in the south mm-hmm. and then moved north. So right. my thing is we're not all and then you have this whole f- fraction of people who grew up in the Caribbean and, right. and and they have more British connection than we necessarily have in the right. U.S. So my thing is, all these things come into play. What we and then is African in in the African community itself, like all the Nigerians who are always about sending their kids to law school and medical right. school and so on and so forth. Right. So you have all these different stories to be told. And what Hollywood needs to understand is that, and why this movie is working so well and making so much damn money that they don't even know what to do with themselves. Just like Black Panther, right. and what Hollywood needs to understand is that we, as a people, all people, not just white people, black people, Latinos, and whoever else, we all need to see ourselves represented on the screen. But I think the issue with Hollywood, and we both know this to be true, is money. Mm-hmm. They don't believe it until it's made. And so the problem is is that I don't think Hollywood is specifically racist. I think they're just 
money hungry and generating of money. If you don't generate, there are how many Fridays have there been? You would have never thought Ice Cube would have built a freaking career off of that. How many barbershops have there been? And that all stemmed from that one Friday. If A plus B equals C, which is cash, Hollywood's going to make it. But you got to get that far. Well, guess what, though? But they're not seeing... They, unfortunately, they're not seeing that because they're just rehashing the same old shit because we're still rebooting. Well, whoever whoever gets in stuff. and is able to make these, like, say, Black Panther, like, say, Crazy Rich Asians, even Fridays, when you get in, there is no reservation about making continual pieces of it, like sequels. Well, let's hope. But the problem is, is no, because Crazy Rich Asians already got a sequel. They alluded to it at the end, and then I read an article about it. Black well, Panther's got another another couple coming. Look at Creed. Creed is spawn off of Rocky. Right, but right? guess what? But Creed is still a Rocky film. But it's not day. really a Rocky film. If you look at it, it has spawned a completely different character. He could die off now in this next iteration, and Creed, and still go Creed on. would still go on. Because Creed has been spun off of Rocky, because he launched from this white platform to make it solely black. Now it's a sole black character. It's what it's what Carl Weathers was essentially supposed to be, mm-hmm. but he was well, really the psychic. Well, we and now will see. But like I said, I I think that Hollywood has a lot to learn. Still, they do have a lot to learn because they're still they're still doing the same. I'm old not things. defending them. I'm just saying I see where they're. I see where their motives lie, and their motives lie purely in bread. Oh, yeah. It's all about money. Cold, hard cash. If you make them a million dollars in two, look at Jordan Peele. Yeah. He's got, uh, what, a 10-part, five-picture five deal? Right. He's going to be making movies for decades now. That's Ten so years fun. easily. He's been signed. Ten years easily. He's going to make them. And so. I hope so. What are they gonna do? Well, you know, like I said, I think there there's hope, and I and I want, I just want people to understand that we all need to be seen on these screens. Absolutely, there's so many stories to be told, and I I was literally watching um the new um the Mayans film on uh, the show on oh yeah on, the uh, FX lately FX which, which is, is the, the spinoff of, from Sons of Anarchy Sons of Anarchy and it, it's 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 literally telling a, a different side of a similar story and. In the the Mexican American, I was gonna say, and that's predominantly Mexican American. Totally, but the the tie-in was very cool, and I think that there's so many there's so many stories to be told. But it looks like people are opening their eyes a little. I I hope so. I'm hoping so too. I just want that to be, and it and and, and like Crazy Rich Asians reminded me of how Love Simon did the same thing in in the in the gay community, in, in where it wasn't just. Gay people are gonna die at the end of it, or, or have, you have to, to be, be made to pay. You have to be punished for it. Punished. You know, you're just. It's just. Some you're sort of living your life. You're living your life in in day to day world, how you want to live it. Right. And and it's gonna be the same way with the trans community. I mean, and with uh, the, the I'm with you. other communities. I, I would of like to see a lesbian live, love Jones. But right. Hey. Hell, I would like to see somebody disabled in the movie having some life. There you go. You know, just just once. Just one time. There's been a few. No? No. I no. Did, I thought you had a thing with uh, Drake. That was a thing. That was on a TV show. Okay, so that's that a show. A that's representation. Show. One time. 
this representation. One time TV show. So we and started. a few other sprinkles here and there. There's been a few other movies. And and, and, and uh, there was another movie, another film called Morgan. I was going to say Morgan. Was very good. But um, there are just a few films, but there's more to be told. There's more, of there's more to be done. And guess what, Hollywood? There are actually screenwriters out there writing stories every day. Actually give them a look as opposed to doing a new well, reboot of something. I think the independents are who's showing it and Hollywood's taking notice. They won't take the chance. So they'll allow these independents to come through and say, look, surprise. Like, Every look, now and then. Look at Pariah. True. Right? And then now now we have what? Mudbound. Like, you know. Right. And like I said, I, I think you know, the, it's, 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 the director of Crazy Rich Agents, I think he's going he gonna to spin off and do other He has another like one this. coming, and he's done others before. He did, he did a few other films, in fact, previously. But um, I think, you know, he's, he's, he's making his mark with this, and I think he's going to spin off from there. I mean, he's done a bunch. G.I. Joe... Step it up too. Now you see me too, which is probably the biggest of all. Well, see the thing is the thing about him. He, he even said it. He's like, I was so busy making Hollywood movies mm-hmm. that I didn't. And, and he's Asian American. Gem, yes. And his whole thing was he he literally was so busy trying to work in America in in, in Hollywood that he didn't understand the significance of it until he saw what it looked like on the screen to see his own people there. Yes. And that's a powerful moment. And powerful he was moment. in tears when he talked about it. I watched an interview with him talking about it. And I was like, wow, he, he is really moved by it. And he understands it in a different way. And, and I think that that's going to move him to make other kinds of films that will cast other people like himself. Well, he's he's done what Spike and everyone else has done, is pull in people he's worked with before and make it, make it work. But yeah. I think that... They're gonna keep doing this, and I'm hoping it's gonna it's gonna work out. I hope so. And I think if you are a rom com fan, go yeah, see it. Definitely go see if it. If you just like a little diversity, go Please see it. Please go see it. Please. And just if go you see have it. nothing to do and you're looking for a film to see, check this one out. Just to make you feel good. Just to make you feel good, because even that. I had a little. Oh, you had a heart moment. A little heart moment at the end. Moment. I was like, oh. You had a heart moment. Good for you. I felt maybe Salty Discharge would come out, but it didn't. Oh, nice. But, you know, I was on the edge. You were close. I was on the edge. So, you know, I, I think that we are going to keep this going. Yeah. And hope that more will come like it. What are we going to see next time? So, you know, next time, episode 32. It's our it's our Halloween up. Yeah, I'm ready for that. And it it will be up the weekend of Halloween, and so um we're gonna do the Nun. Oh yeah, I'm ready. That continues with the Conjuring series. And we're gonna talk about our favorite horror movies. Our favorite horror movies. So Alex, if you, Alex is gonna have one. Tawana is gonna have one. I'm gonna have one. Yeah. Too. So if you like this episode, please be sure to like, share, and follow on all our social media uh, platforms, which is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And where we host on SoundCloud under the tag Beer Bourbon in a Movie. And don't forget to use the hashtag BBM Podcast. That is BBM Podcast. Thanks for listening, film fans. See you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>